Um, thank you guys for your prayers. Uh, if you don't know, I was sick the last few weeks. We actually went down to Mexico, myself, Jonathan, and a few other people, and it was just a really, really wonderful time. Um, we actually got to build a whole second floor on top of this uh, children's community center, and uh, it was just, it was a blast. It was a ton of work, um, but I think I actually got sick like right before we got there. I probably took it with me and uh, had the flu and then turned into strep throat, and it was just, it was kind of rough, but I was trying to do my best to make the best of it and trying to get some work done and instead of just laying there, and um Jonathan's cousin came down from uh, Wisconsin or something. They drove like 30 hours to Mexico, which is just crazy. Um, It's hard to drive 30 minutes to Myrtle Beach, let alone. But they came 30 hours to Mexico. They brought a whole bus full of people to do this do this build project and it was just an amazing time but uh he there's his cousin kevin just an amazing guy and he knew that i was just in the bed kind of laying there one day just feeling bad couldn't talk and he comes in and he's just super serious and he's just hey man i know you're not feeling good but uh we kind of have this thing in my family it's kind of something that my grandma did her grandma did and we got this little jar of stuff in it and uh you know you just kind of spray it on in your mouth and in your throat and it's, it's supposed to make you feel really good like, cool, you know, I could, you know, let's do it. And so he hands me this little spray bottle, like, nice. And I, I look at it, like, I've never seen this before. And I start reading the back of it. And it says, uh, for use in kitchens, bathrooms, and all public seating. <laughs> I'm like, you want me to spray this in my mouth? He's like, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know if it worked or not, but I did it. I was like, at any moment, I was thinking he was just going to die laughing, but he didn't, and I did it like two or three times. And so basically, I think it was like antibacterial soap for your mouth, but I don't know. It was fun. It, w- it was a good time. Um, before we get going to it, also, if you could rewind back a few months ago, uh, Jim was speaking, and Jim spoke on a season of silence, in which I kind of thought was kind of very ironic because I lost my voice during this trip, and I couldn't say a word. I was just, I don't know what you're doing. What are you guys doing? And so uh, being that he had just spoke on that, I, I told him that this next time that he speaks, he should speak on what to do when you win the lottery. So that way, I'm just kind of playing the odds on that one. And uh, But I don't think he did it this last time. He was a little disobedient or something. But, uh, you know, we'll get, we'll get on to him about that. But uh, you know, when we, we get ready for this thing called the sermon, uh, I always pray and ask God, you know, Lord, what is it that you want me to speak about? And I just really kind of felt like, you know, hey, I lost my voice. Maybe we should talk about silence, which is kind of an irony that we talk about silence. Get that? Anyway, so we're going to talk a little bit just about silence and solitude this morning. Um, have you ever gone on vacation and just because, man, I'm just, I'm just, man, I just need a break. I've just been going at it full blast, full on. And I just kind of need to get away only to kind of go on that vacation and get back and realize you need a vacation from your vacation. Because what happens is we kind of live in the society where everything is so fast paced. Everything's so go, go, go and, and work, work, work. And I've got to do this and this thing. And we got schedules and calendars and we got our iPhone reminding us that, oh, we got this appointment and that appointment. And everything gets so busy that even when we're on vacation, it's hard to break that mold. It's hard to get silent. It's hard to kind of embrace 
solitude of just being alone. You know, it's that moment when you're on the phone with someone and then there's that long pause and you're just like, well, is the conversation over? (laughs) I don't know what to do with the silence. Or that time when you're all by yourself, you're at the house and this, wait, what, what am I doing? I haven't kind of been by myself in so long. I don't know what to do. I just, I got to go and get around somebody or I got to do this. Or, and so sometimes we could actually fear the silence. We could fear the solitude. Um, we, could, we could actually, we could be that person that we could be in the, in the middle of a crowd and everything's going on, but on the inside, it's just like, we know that, man, we just got to get away. We've got to take a step back. Um, now there's a balance to this. There's this person that fears the silence, fears the silence, but then there's this person that, man, all they are is alone. You know, it's, it's the kind of the hermit crab where, man, you never talk. You're always by yourself. You never go out the house. You never kind of engage in the community. And so while we're talking about silence and solitude, know that there is a balance to this thing this morning. Um, see, one person kind of fears when they look in the mirror, they'll fear what they'll see in themselves. See, the other person looks in the mirror and they fear what others will see in them. So no matter what kind, what side of the road you're on, whether it's that person that fears the silence or just embraces it, there's a balance to both. And so the question that I want to look at this morning is not just the idea of silence and solitude, because I think we all could agree that we, there needs to be moments in our lives where the noise just needs to stop. I think we could all agree that there is those times where we need to pull back. And there needs to be moments where it's just us and God. And there's no TV, and then there's no radio, and there's no any of this, but there's just quiet. And so what I want to do is I want to look at the life of Christ and just give just a few of what could be many examples, four different examples of just when Christ knew when it was time to just kind of get away, when it was time to pull back. And I think we're going to see in just these four examples, some of the times that Christ pulls away and finds himself in silence and solitude are very different times than what we would think. So the first example, these scriptures are not going to be on the overheads this morning. um, So uh, if you want to just turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew and chapter three and four. Starting in chapter 3, it says this, uh, 3 and 16. Jesus is just beginning his public ministry. It says this, 3 and 16. Now, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and aligning upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying this, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And when they had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. So here we find Jesus. Now, historically, at this point in Jesus' life, he's 30 years old. So he spent 30 years preparing, learning, growing in wisdom. Uh, Actually, in the book of Luke, chapter 2 and verse 52, it says this, that Jesus grew in wisdom and knowledge and stature with God and with men. And so there's 30 years of God just getting ready to kind of go public with this thing. And here we find this moment where he's baptized. Heaven's open. This voice comes from heaven. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then what does Jesus do? He goes away. 
he goes into the wilderness. Now, this is the beginning of something huge. This is the beginning of what is going to change the world's history for all times. And see, it's the complete opposite of what we would want to do as just how we've been taught in our culture. Whenever we start something new, well, that's where you have to be there. Whenever you're getting ready to launch something big, oh, the beginning, that's when you, you, you do all the work. You do anything but go away. You've got to be there in the beginning. But here at the very beginning, Jesus takes a step back. It's like all of this that I'm getting ready to do, everything that's getting ready to happen, all of the miracles, all of these wonders, I need to first take a step back. And he, he, he gets, gets alone with God. And this is, this is what we would call today like the momentum killer. See, because we, when we start new things, we have to, we've been trained that we've got to build all of this momentum. You market it, you advertise it, you get ready. And when you launch, you launch big. No matter what it is, if it's in business, in life, it's in whatever it is, you do these things and the beginning is a critical time. And so you want to build the momentum. And Jesus says, well, listen, all of these things are great and good, but you've also got to learn how to take a step back. Because what's happening here is we've got to learn that when we start things, when we do things, all, all of these things are moving towards something. They're moving towards this finish line. And during this race, you will experience different persecutions. There will be times when you get tired. And if all you're doing is running off of sheer emotion, you're going to collapse. If everything's been built up to be just about this momentum, just about all of these things that you've kind of worked up, let me put it this way. Emotions will only take you so far. A good church service, a, a good preacher, a good uh, guitar play, whatever, it'll only get you so far. And there comes this moment where it's, it's about you and God. And there's got to be some roots there. And these things about roots, roots take time. Roots take rest. And so Jesus, from the very beginning, he's saying, listen, if we're going to do this thing, we've got, to pull, we've got to pull back. Because if anything, I'm not going to get burned out. And see, sometimes within the Christian community, we kind of use this burnt out thing almost like it's a badge of honor. Like, oh, like I've worked so hard for God. I've done all these things, but now I'm just so burned out. Like, that's not a good thing. Like, if you're burned out, it really only, it's really only saying this. I've got my priorities mixed up. If, if your family's falling apart, but, oh, the ministry's doing so good. No, like, you, you're messing up big time. And so, like, this, bur- this whole idea of being burnt out, like, no. Yeah, we work. We work hard. You give 110%, and there's battle scars, and there's wounds. And, and we do this, and, and we lay our heads on our pillow, and, and we're tired. But are we burnt out? No. If, if so, man, we've lacked to take those time to take a step back. I say, God, I just need to get alone with you. There needs to be some silence. I need to kind of stop with all the noise. We need... To not just finish well, but we also have to learn how to start well. And see, kind of we've been taught that, well, it's not about how you start, but how you, how, how you finish. And that's so true. And here's the beautiful thing about God, is that his mercies are new every morning. And so if you've had a bad start, if you say, Lucas, Lee, the first 20 years of my life, you just don't know what I've done. And all these, listen, that's okay. His mercies are new every morning. But if we're going to go forward with this thing, we're going to start off on a good foot right now, this morning. And part of that, even with all of the momentum, even with all of the mo- emotions involved, means taking a step back and saying, God, again, I just focus my attention on you. 
what, what, what you have for me, what you're doing. Because some things are getting ready to happen, and I need you. Second thing is in the book of Luke, chapter 6, when Jesus takes some time. Book of Luke, chapter 6. Starting with verse 12. Now, same kind of period of time here. Now it came to pass in those days that when he went out from the mountains to pray and continued all night in prayer to God, and when it was day, he called the disciples from himself, and he chose among them whom he would name the apostles. And so here we have Jesus. He's gone off. He's taken some time, just him and God, and he's prayed, and he's coming back, and he's taking these disciples, and he's announcing that these disciples, you will be the 12, the apostles that will follow me. So here we find Jesus on the brink of a major decision. Whenever we face major decisions in life, it's good to take a step back. When we're on the break of, man, really things that are going to affect long term, we need to take a step back and have some silence and have some solitude. Now, this, again, completely opposite from what's in us and what we want to do. Whenever we're faced with major decisions, often the first thing we want to do is, well, I need to pick up the phone. I need to, I need to call mom. I need to call dad. I need to call uh, my mentor. I need to call my pastor. I need to call my friend. And we want to seek the advice of others and say, well, what do you think about this decision? What do you think about this decision? And all the time we kind of forget to ask God. And God's saying, well, if you just kind of back up a little bit, I'd also like to be involved in this decision-making process as well. I want to be part of it. Whenever we find Jesus here on the brink of this major decision, he gets away with God. Um, One of the the personal things that I've learned uh, as being a pastor is this. You know, each week, kind of preparing this this thing we call the sermon, is I want to ask God and say, Lord, what is it that you have for the people? What do you have for me? Uh, What do you want to speak this week? And so I'll open my Bible and I'll begin to read. And uh, but what I used to do is I I would begin. I get on the internet and there's all these commentaries and all these people's thoughts just about different scripture verses and stuff. And what I found is when I would go in and I would read all of these different thoughts, I was never able to formulate my own thoughts because everybody else's opinion it would almost kind of form a wall in my mind where I could only see the scripture verse in that way. And so what I've learned is when I'm seeking God, I've got to seek him first. I've got to say, God, this is the scripture verse that I'm looking at. What do you think about it? What are you saying in in this scripture inside the context of of the whole? And, And he kind of speaks to me. And then I go and read other people's thoughts. Because if I read their thoughts first, I can never formulate my own. And I think the same thing is true whenever we're going to make decisions. We're making big decisions in our life. It's so easy to reach out and ask other people's opinions without first going to God. Because we can build up walls very easily where it's kind of hard to see things. Because oftentimes, well, God does things that we don't expect. And well, maybe that's the reason why we don't seek him first. It's because we don't like what he has to say sometimes. It's like, no, God, this is what I really want to do. And so... As long as you kind of line up with that, then we can talk about it. And sometimes, as we know, God is what I call predictably unpredictable. He says things and does things. And and there's a part of me sometimes, well, God, I really don't want to know what you have to say about this. Because I already have this plan. And I know that your plan's not going to fit in with this plan. And yet, God's just kind of like, hmm, what what do you really think about that? And, and let me just kind of let you in on like a little insider's thing. Uh, I get together with these group of pastors every once in a while, and uh, 
this is where some of them vent, you know, their, their ideas. So I'm going to let you in on a little nugget of things that go on in, in, in church world. Um, whenever someone says, let me pray about it, that is the worst thing that you could tell me. Because as a pastor, there's that part that's like, we know that's what you should do. But there's also the reality that 90% of the time that means no. 90% of the time that means you're really not going to pray about it, and you really just don't want to tell me no. And you know exactly what I'm talking about, because you've done it. All right? I know it's getting quiet in here, but you've done it. And so there's a part of me that wants to say, no, no, no. Don't, don't tell me to just pray about it. Give me an answer, yes or no. Like a few weeks ago, I went to Jonathan. I just talked to him about some mission stuff. Hey, would you like to do this? Would, uh, and he said, let me pray about it. I was like, oh, Lord, not again. Not again. I had such high hopes for this guy. <laughs> let me pray about it. He wants to pray. No. Oh. But then there's like, you know, well, you can't say that because that's not spiritual. And but then he actually came back and he actually said, I did pray about it. I was like, wow, that's awesome. Thank you, Lord. You've taught me a lesson. We've all been there, all right? But when, on, on the breaks, make sure we, we do. We need to take time. We need to take time to actually pray about it, to take time to step back and say, God, what is it that you have for me? Is it this way or this way? Not, not my will, but, Lord, yours be done. Uh, one more example, or two more, actually. Uh, the book of John, John chapter 6. John 6, uh, starting with 13. Uh, Therefore he gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments of the five barley and loaves which were left over of those who had eaten. Then those men who they had seen the sight that Jesus did said, This is truly a prophet who has come into the world. Therefore when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and to take him by force to make him king, he departed to the mountain by himself alone. So here Jesus on the brink of doing all of these major miracles. He's turned water into wine. He's just finished feeding 5,000 people with two loaves and some fish. And all these people are just, Jesus, you're the man. You're awesome. They're getting ready to make him king. And Jesus says, I'm out of here. Again, completely opposite. Whenever you're on the top of the world, whenever the world is singing your praises, man, that's the time where, oh, dude, that's when we suck it all in. That's when you sign the book deal. That's when you get on TV. And that's when you do all these things. And Jesus says, wait, wait, hold on a second. Uh, Back the train up. I need to get away from this for a moment. See, popularity is very, very fickle. See, just not too much time later, Jesus comes into town and people are taking off their shirts and laying them on the ground. And they're laying these palm branches on the ground. And everybody's saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Jesus, you're so awesome. And then a week later, they're yelling, crucify him. See, popularity is like that. It's so fickle. You're the man one day and then the next, well, you're on the cross. And we've all experienced that with relationships and different things in our lives. And so there's the reality that whenever we begin to, to move with God and God's moving in us and things are happening, that we need to take a step back. See, actually this happens even before what we said when Jesus was getting ready to be baptized. Heavens, a voice comes down and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. If at any moment, well, this is the time to really go public, and Jesus steps back. So imagine this morning you're sitting here and all of a sudden a voice from the sky. Hello, I'm God. I'm very well pleased. What? 
you would be back next Sunday. You would be inviting friends. And we would all, it would be in the beacon. People would write stuff about it. It would be all over TV, you know. And we'd want to, like, blow it up. And Jesus says, wait a minute. Oh, stop that. Take a step back. You need to get silent. The, the praises of man will get you so far. See, to be a Christian, humility is a key. Humility is the key. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, that means pride has no room in your life. As a matter of fact, pride in the Bible, it says like this, it's like a gold ring in the, in the nostril of a pig. That's what it's like. And so like, let me just be honest with you. If you call yourself a Christian, like prideful is the most unattractive feature that you could have. To be prideful and arrogant, it's just like, Oh, there's just something about it that just, it's oil and water with Christianity. And Jesus says, listen, step back. Don't, don't listen to all of this, uh, everything that people are saying. Be more focused on what God's saying. Take a step back. One last, last one. In, in Matthew 26, we see the story of um, Jesus going and he's praying in the garden. And he's getting ready to face the cross. And he's taking his disciples with him. He says, listen, just pray with me. Pray with me for an hour. And they fall asleep. And he does it again and pray with me. And they just keep falling asleep. And um, there's this reality that even when facing death, even when getting ready to face the most intense moment of his life, Jesus gets alone. He stepped back in the silence and in the solitude. And he, he goes to this place called Gethsemane. And this word actually means the press, the oil press, the olive press. And this is where Jesus cries out, listen, God, not my will, but yours be done. And what's happening is he's pressing his will in with that of the will of the fathers. He's saying, listen, all of these things, if there's any way that this cup could pass for me, let it happen. In other words, this, like, I, I really, really, I know what's, what's going to happen with this cross. I know everything that's going to happen, God, if there's any other way. And I love this portion of Scripture because for us in today's times, it's so easy to look at Jesus and his life and really kind of focus on his divinity, to really look at him and see that, man, this is God. But there's also the reality in the Scripture that it really shows us his humanity, that here he is, and he's just pressing his will into God. He's saying, listen, I know everything that's about to happen, and Lord, if there's any other way. If this cup could pass for me, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And even when the disciples fall asleep on them. See, there's a reality in your Christian walk that, yes, this is meant to be lived together. We do life together, but there will be moments that only you can walk. Where it will be just you and God. And if you failed to take the time to really just step back, man, it makes the road even that much harder. We've got to learn. If we look at the life of Christ, the life of Christ, he, he starts out with, with prayer and silence and solitude, stepping back. All through the middle, all when people were trying to make him king, in the midst of all of these miracles, in the midst of crowds forming, and then at the very end, even when facing death. See, it was a part of his life. It's got to become a part of ours. To embrace the silence, to embrace the solitude. I want to show a video now, and I've actually showed this video um, maybe a year ago or so. So if you've seen it, I apologize, but it's just a, such a great video that I wanted to show it again, and uh, here it is.
Lord, through the busyness of life, we thank you that we could just pause. That we could just have some time with you, Lord. Lord, for those of us like myself that get just so wrapped up with the noise, help us to pull back. Help us to seek your face first. Just like your life, Lord, that we would seek you in the beginning, we would seek you in the middle, and we would seek you at the end. Lord, for the person in here that that just feels like they've been trying so hard to find some peace and it just feels like the storm keeps blowing. And maybe they've gone out and they've tried to hear your voice, but they've been listening and they've been listening in the earthquakes and the fires. Lord, my prayer is that we would be able to pause and hear your voice in the sound of sheer silence. That we would not be those that become burnt out. That we would not become those that try to do it all in our own strength. Or that we just rest in you. We rest in you, God. And that your peace that passes all understanding would fill our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come on, be.